Hello, and welcome to this edition of Secure Networks, the Index Pack of Forensic Files with your host, Michael Morris. This week's guest is Craig Williams, Director of Talos Outreach at Cisco. Craig, welcome. Thank you for joining. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Hi, my name is Craig Williams. I'm the Director of the Outreach Program at Talos. Basically, we work on security research. We try to focus on things that we know will help our customers. Um, and while doing that, we make a lot of fun discoveries and we run the uh, Talos blog, the Beers with Talos podcast and have a, a lot of fun doing it. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about the goal and objective of the group overall. How does your team work and what problems do you get called into? Oh, that's a good question. So at a high level, Talos is basically the gas for all the security products at Cisco. We're really what helped make the products go and detect all the bad guys. And I, I think, you know, one of the most interesting things about being on a research team like Talos is really the variety of threats that we get to see and the amount of data that our customers have opted in to share with us. And that really allows us to hunt for things that are going to be really hard to detect for anyone else and may go unnoticed otherwise. No, that's that's the exciting part of this business is the the unique things you get to see every day. So when when you're looking broadly at the cyber threat landscape, how have threats been evolving over the last year and how rapidly has the volume of unique attacks been increasing? So I would say over the last year and you know, obviously even before that, we've seen threats continue to get more and more complicated. You know, we've seen more of a business built around crime war actors, meaning that we have you know private groups spending more and more money developing more advanced and more evasive malware samples. You know, we all have obviously seen nation states using malware for political purposes. And you know, the net result of all that activity and all that investment in the attack space is that it's gotten more aggressive more quickly. And it's really started dropping down the time between when a vulnerability is discovered and the amount of time a customer has to patch it before it's been abused. No, that's the, that's the thing. When I talk to SecOps teams, the speed of which everything's happening and the volume is just what's overwhelming them. So let's talk about a, a recent high profile supply chain attack uh, that recently happened, very complex. What have we learned from this type of attack? Well, I think one of the things to keep in mind with supply chain attacks is that, you know, they're not new. Now, we may be seeing them more frequently now, and I, I think that's definitely something that's true, right? We saw large ones over the last several years. Talos discovered the CCleaner one. You know, we saw, you know, NotPetya, and now we're seeing, you know, newer ones like SolarWinds. So I think supply chain attacks are something people need to expect to see and are probably going to continue to see on an increasing cadence going forward. Now, the reason I say that is because of two things, right? Number one, defending against a supply chain attack is incredibly difficult. There's not a lot you can do about it. Really, the defense for a supply chain attack has to be done at the vendor side. And number two, when the supply chain has been compromised and the malware has been distributed through an updater or similar system, it's extremely difficult to detect, right? You've got to have, you know, forensic uh, analysis tools in place. You've got to have auditing tools in place. And that's where things like your Indace product can actually help. That's where things like passive DNS can help. That's where things 
you know, anything that can help you log and get better insight into your network is something you should look into. Right. Now, that does get you into a tricky situation, right? Uh, you got to figure out how far back do I need to look? You know, what's reasonable? And those are all really great questions that you've just got to look at and figure out what's appropriate for your environment. Yeah, it's, when we're looking at it, we're seeing this definitely as a new trend for opening back doors to many infrastructures. But so many tools and applications out there have these auto update services, uh, especially SaaS platforms and solutions. What can IT groups and security do- groups do to, to really pay more attention to those elements? Well, let's be clear. I'm a huge fan of auto updates, right? <laughs> I don't want it to sound like we're against automatic updates, right? The reason attackers have turned to the supply chain is because people have gotten better at patching, right? So this is a, a good problem to have. We've raised the bar, right? Now the bar is a little bit higher. And so instead of using an off-the-shelf vulnerability, they're looking at vendors that are weak. And so, you know, when it comes to defending against that, there's not one one-size-fits-all solution right? Uh, What I do personally is I look for vendors that have a reputation of taking security seriously. So look for a vendor that has CVEs issued for their products. So vulnerabilities that they've declared exist, that they've defined, they've written up and gotten a CVE assigned to it. They've released a patch for it, right? That is a good sign. That means they're taking security seriously. Now, if you want to go one step further, look for a vendor that has a product security baseline, Right uh, now, that's that's a big, long, weird-sounding term, but all it really means is that a product security baseline is when a vendor says, "Like, look, we've declared these ten things mistakes that we don't want to make, and these are ten common mistakes we're going to try really hard to not make in our products." Simple things like uh, no default accounts, right? Sanitizing our input, making sure that we check the boundaries on our arrays, stuff like that. Um, it's not bulletproof, but it definitely helps, right. and I think. You know, the important thing to remember here is that you're never, ever going to find a vendor that has perfect security. You know, there's no such thing as a software product that's unhackable. If a vendor says that, you should run away, (laughs) right? You know, you want to look for somebody who takes it seriously, who has a good security posture, who's issuing CVEs and Mm -hmm. being responsible about it. And that's really, I think the first steps in picking a good responsible vendor. No, that's great insights. Uh, And actually kind of lead into my next question anyway. Is there other things besides what you just mentioned that businesses can do to be confident in software updates they're getting from their vendors? I think there is. You know, when I look at my updates, I try to figure out what systems should be automatic and which ones should alert me and be manual, right? Automatic systems are ones that I, I don't have a lot of critical data on, right? They're the ones that are on the edge, right? I want my security products to update automatically. I want my web browsers to update automatically, right? When it comes down to things like my servers that are behind the firewall, I want to know the second a patch is available, but I want to look at it and make sure that it looks like something that I need. You know, if it doesn't have a security update, maybe I don't need it right away. But if it does have a security update, uh, I'm probably going to take a really hard look at applying it as soon as I possibly can. Um, I think... Those things, being aware of when you're patching it, what you're patching it, and the second one being figuring out what it can talk to, right? Uh, you know, for example, does my garage door opener need to be able to talk to my NAS? 
Right. Probably not. <laughs> right. That's, that's unnecessary risk. And so I can set up rules. I can put things on different VLANs and I can do this with consumer grade gear now. So, yeah. you know, these solutions sound complicated and they are, you know, it does take 20, 30 minutes to set up at first. So it's a little bit of overhead, mm -hmm. but should the worst case scenario happen, the amount of impact that I face is going to be limited. And that planning is going to be worthwhile in the long run. No, that's, that's tremendous. It's actually, it's somebody I was talking to just about that very thing, you know, uh, IOT devices, have them on a separate subnet from your other, because there's so many IOT devices that aren't regularly patched and, and, your vulnerability points. So that's, that's great insight. So Craig, when you're working with a customer on a new threat or an investigation, what are key pieces of data or information you look for just to, just to get started? Well, the first questions I ask myself is what data do we have available, right? You know, when you're trying to size up a scenario and determine what the impact has been, you need to figure out, you know, what questions do you need answered? And then do you have the answers to those questions? Mm -hmm. And so that's not an easy situation to get a handle on, right? You can have things like uh, packet flow analysis. You can have things like passive DNS. You can have things like security device alerts that can all provide different shades of insight. If you're lucky, there's a lot of overlap and you can start connecting the dots and get a really good picture. And um, I think the other important thing to look at there is once you know which of those questions you can answer, you should ask yourself, well, how far back can I go with those answers, right? Because you may not always know right away, right? You may find out, hey, uh, this update had a potentially malicious thing inside of it three weeks ago, four weeks ago. And so you've got to go back and figure out how much of those logs do I keep? How much do I want to be able to look through? And for every business, that's going to be different, right? It's going to depend on what your exposure is, what risk you're willing to take is, and how much you want to invest in your security. No, that's, that's great. What are some key elements or tools to a cybersecurity infrastructure that can really help SOC teams investigate and, and hunt for some of these new, more complex threats? So I think some of the best things a defensive team can do is having the ability to look at um, the information at multiple layers right? One of the things you want to make sure you don't do is like lose endpoint visibility, for example. Um, you know, another thing you may not want to do is not have packet flow visibility, not have passive DNS. You know, to give a really specific example, with the recent SolarWinds campaign, if you had passive DNS monitoring ability, you could determine if your network was impacted by simply stage one, or stage one and stage two, which from a remediation standpoint made a really significant difference. So in setting, interesting on that point, because in setting up this interview, we were talking about some of the recent threats and uh, during that week we were talking, uh, a new exchange bug came out. Tell us about that one and exactly how it was found, what it does, what it's doing. <laughs> Uh, so you're talking about the Hafnium actors. Yes. Um, so Hafnium is a really unfortunate vulnerability. It's a remote code execution and on-premise or hybrid setup exchange servers. And it's an unauthenticated remote code execution vulnerability, right? Okay. Actually a series of CVEs. It's a worst case scenario from a security guy standpoint. Now, as bad as that is, I think we all need to take a step back and look at it at a high level and think about it in terms of what does this have 
in common with the supply chain. And I think if you think about it, what you'll realize is that supply chain attacks in zero days are things that you know will happen, right? You don't know where they're going to happen. You don't know when they're going to happen, but you can be 100% certain you're going to face one at some point in the future. And so my stance on the matter is your, you know, your networking team and your security teams need to have plans in place for these type of security issues popping up. Now, these aren't going to be something that you can just throw together at the last minute, right? The time yeah. you put into planning this and scoping this is going to be incredibly valuable. You know, um, and I know it's difficult, right? We have a service around this with the Talos IR team where they'll actually come in and run tabletop exercises with a customer to help them figure out what they should do, right? Uh, you know, for example, maybe if it's a remote code execution vulnerability and your uh, corporate instant messaging clients, well, it's behind the firewall, we can take it down. So maybe that is the solution, right? Isolate it, take it down, patch it, bring it back up. On the other hand, maybe it's in your corporate email servers that are exposed to the internet. Well, that's a pretty high risk, right? Maybe right. in that particular case, it's worth having some business downtime to limit the exposure and address the security issues. But I think, you know, my real takeaway from it is that these plans need to exist and every single time this happens, they need to be followed. And then we need to figure out where did they fall short and where did they excel and make sure that they're modified and revved accordingly. And so I think, I think that's something that people have had trouble looking at and a lot of businesses haven't invested in. But I think it's something that if you do spend the time running those tabletop exercises or even one step better, have some simulations or some active exercises with the red team so that you can simulate these kind of things happening, they could have really beneficial results. You know, for example, if you had a red team come in and gave them access to a server, like it was compromised to the supply chain mm -hmm. attack, you know, what could your blue teams do? What could they figure out happened, right? Do they have packet flow analysis to figure out what servers may have been touched? Do they have DNS to see what C2s may have been used, right? Um, there's lots of interesting questions there that they could figure out you know, where are our weak points? Where are defensive defenses adequate? And for what time are they adequate, right? How far back can we go and have useful answers? Um, so I think there's a lot to be done there. I think there's a lot of prep work that should be done. Mm -hmm. And hopefully a lot of people who were hit by this took it as an opportunity to take a step back and learn from it and improve their defenses for the next time. No, that's, that's tremendous insights. With new threats like this constantly emerging, what key pieces of advice do you give SecOps teams, SecOps managers? <laughs> um, let's see, key pieces of advice. <laughs> I, I think to me, it's learn from the past, right? Um, look at the history, look at what products have had security issues, look at the types of security issues they've had and understand where they might have issues in the future, right? Uh, so for example, right, one of the things we see a lot of security issues in are in uh, email servers, office products, web browsers, right? Things like that. So assume those could have issues. What is the impact? I think the second one is where are your crown jewels, right? In your organization, chances are you have some pieces of data that are more valuable than others, right? A motivated attacker, which are the ones you should be most concerned about, are going to be after those crown jewels. Right. And so in doing that, what visibility opportunities do you have that you can deploy so that you see that happening before it happens, yeah. right? And how quickly can you notice it? And how can you make sure it's noticed quickly? Um, 
things like that, I think are really key in helping shore up defenses for the next campaign. No, great, great insight. Um, so as your one question I always like to ask in, in closing here, um, looking forward, you know, <laughs> asking you to predict the future, what, what's the one <laughs> thing you recommend to our listeners to really look out for, think about over the next six to 18 months? And I know that's an eternity in the cybersecurity space, uh, but what should they really be paying attention to? Um, I think the key thing to pay attention to is, are you learning enough from your exposures and risks, right? Uh, you're going to have security issues. You're going to have insiders who share passwords, uh, or maybe they use it on another site and it gets hacked. When those events happen, are there takeaways that you can use more broadly in your environment, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe there's things that you can do like deploy a corporate uh, password manager. Maybe you could do a deal like some of the password managers have where you not only provide one for the employee at work, but you also provide them one for use at home. And that way they're not tempted to share passwords between sites because they just simply can't remember any more passwords. You know, I, I think learning from those mistakes and making sure that you, you know, have a proper after action after each of these scenarios, even if they're uncomfortable, right? Yeah. After actions aren't always fun. A lot of the time it's it's let's make a list of the things we should have done differently. Yeah. But that in itself is useful. And I think it's important that those sessions don't become the blame game, right? They need to be an opportunity to learn from your mistakes, to make plans that as you go forward, you execute differently, yeah. right? Or maybe you did do a lot of things right. And so maybe part of that is making sure that you take note and stand up and recognize the teams that did all those things right. right. And then maybe you think of a few things that you could try next time to make things go even more smoothly. No, that's tremendous. Craig, thank you for your insights, sharing your expertise uh, in how to better secure networks. We'd ask our listeners to tune in next time for another edition of the Endace Packet Forensic Files. For more information about Endace's network packet capture platform and our integrations with fusion partners like Cisco, please go to www.endace.com. So Craig, again, thanks for taking some time with us. Have a great rest of your day. All right. Thanks, you too.